Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, Yellow, the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. David is the father of eight children. I'm the father of two, and Dave and I want our kids to live in an America where they are free to worship and live out their Christian faith as the Holy Spirit directs them. Amen. Our guest is on the front lines of the fight for liberty, Attorney Jim Davids, the chief counsel of the newly formed Justice and Freedom Law Center. Earlier in his career, he worked with the U.S. Department of Justice to help set up the faith-based initiative. He was also uh, an assistant dean in the schools of government and law at Regent University. Dr. Davids uh, has also served on the board of the Illinois Family Institute. What a time to establish the Justice and Freedom Law Center when churches in Illinois are challenging Governor Pritzker's pandemic-related actions that at one point limited services to 10 people. Jim? There are many issues that have come up lately with respect to the executive orders of Governor Pritzker, and this is certainly one of them, and this is really an affront to religious liberty here in Illinois. When you think of what we do during a worship service, we, we praise God through our voices. We sing. Uh, we have fellowship with other Christian uh, believers. We greet one another with hugs. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, we, we share in, in, the, in the Lord's body and blood. All of these things are now being restricted by our government. And uh, these are very serious issues that, that the church has got to be aware of. And, and, and hopefully there is a developing muscular Christianity uh, here in Illinois. That's what I'd love to see. Mm. Muscular Christianity, what do you mean by that? People in at this time and stage being willing to not only to assert their votes, which is highly important, particularly coming up this, this coming uh, November, but also be willing to spend some time doing things which are a blessing to other people as well as a blessing to themselves. I'll give you an example. One of the things I would love for people in Illinois to come together is for a, a group of churches, for instance, uh, to organize a protest, so to speak. But this protest will be unlike Black Lives Matter. This protest would be a protest, a gathering of people who would be together to give praise to God. Maybe we could term it something like Jesus' life mattered. Yes. Mm. All right? And, and that type of coming together with or without masks if they want to, but, but to come together and show um, that we're serious about praising God and we're serious about, about our religious liberty and, and also being part of that to go around and be a blessing to those institutions which either Antifa or Black Lives Matter or some other organization that they have singled out and have destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, property is, is something that has got to be protected by government. Yes. I mean, the purpose of government, is one of the primary purposes of government, is to protect people and property. And when, when, when government is not protecting property as it should, 
that's one of the one of the worst things that can happen because it's a dereliction of duty by the government. Not just government property. And I would love to see a um, an organization that comes together that that uh, that has a say an open air service where they give praise to God, Amen. where they hear the gospel message that Jesus' life mattered as well as then be a blessing to those. Maybe go to those institutions that have been harmed by the rioters and be a blessing to those. Be a patron of theirs. Yeah. Um, uh, promise them that once they come back into business that will patronize their particular business. Leaving flowers at the site, trying to better the site as opposed to destroying the site. Those, Sup- those supporting our police talking. officers. Oh, that's a huge aspect. I remember reading about a church uh, which um, decided to um, give $100 per police officer over to the local government so that there could be bonuses paid to the police officers. As a way to say thank you. Yes, to say thank you and say we support them. The police are under tremendous attack these days. Absolutely. And they must be supported by, by law-abiding people, which we Christians are. So you're saying a muscular Christianity and in a way, being good stewards of our gift of, from God of self-government, right? Uh, isn't it interesting, Jim, that uh, the same First Amendment, which covers political protests, also covers religious services, but the government isn't treating both of them the same, are they? It's just rank hypocrisy. It is. Absolutely rank hypocrisy. And, and uh, the governor of Illinois is, is certainly one of them, yeah. where, where, where he can attend a uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protest. Uh, With where no social distancing. No social distancing. No masks. Ma- no masks, yep. I- including not even himself. But that's okay, but right. religious services are not okay. Right. Well, what's the status of the uh, current uh, church-related uh, litigation in Illinois, pandemic-related litigation? Where are we now? There was a uh, church in, uh, in downtown Chicago, or near downtown Chicago, called the Elam Romanian Church. Interestingly enough, the pastor as well as many of the leaders of the church fled communist (laughs) Romania to come here to the United States. For freedom. Right, for freedom. For freedom of religion primarily. Yep. And they, they founded a church uh, in um, They in wound Chicago. up in communist Illinois. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a government that, that decided to, to limit the religious liberties of this particular church. They, they had a very large uh, kind of a Eastern Orthodox cathedral, Roman Catholic cathedral. Many, it's larger than, than, than we Protestants uh, often build churches. And, and the, they had a, a relatively limited um, group of, of congregants that would come together and wanted to worship on, on a Sunday. They could easily stay six feet apart. They're willing to wear a mask. They're willing to especially clean the facility. There was no issue about health. But the city of Chicago and, and the governor, they, they both denied the ability of church members to meet at that particular church. And so they, they sued the city. The city said no still. Um, the city won the case in the lower courts, in the, the federal district court, and then went up on the Seventh Circuit, uh, which is the uh, circuit court that hears cases, federal district cases from Wisconsin, Indiana, and Illinois. And they won at that particular level too. So then they went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decided five to four 
with Justice Roberts uh, joining with the liberal uh, Supreme Court justices, uh, that uh, it was uh, within the jurisdiction of, of the state of Illinois, as well as the city of Chicago, for them to limit the number of people that can worship in a church on Sunday. However, the interesting thing about that, Governor Pritzker did not know if it was going to break his way or the other way. So what he did after filing his brief, but before the Supreme Court rendered his decision, he immediately had another executive order which limited less the congregation in the churches. In other words, for fear of what the Supreme Court would do in hearing this injunction appeal. He loosened up his... He loosened up so more people could gather yeah. and worship in church on Sunday. Yeah. But he could roll all that back, this uh, loosening up. If, for instance, he decides, well, the pandemic is actually getting worse in Illinois, we need to backtrack, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Now, this case went up to the Supreme Court, correct? It, it did. And we lost 5-4. That's out of Nevada, a case out of Nevada. And the same thing happened in Nevada. And it was an interesting comparison, you said. Go ahead, you tell us the story about one of the justices' uh, dissent. Yeah, that recently happened, uh, like within the last week. Neil Gorsuch had something interesting to say. Oh, he, he very much did. And uh, let's see if I can even even uh, quote a portion of it. Um, it was another 5-4 to four case. And, and this dealt with a Nevada statute, uh, which allowed people to go into casinos, right? Again, in Nevada, one of the primary reasons people go to Nevada is to gamble in, right. in, in really? uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I, we I don't d- need to leave uh, Illinois anymore. <laughs> we're, we're competing fairly well with Nevada. You, you got a point there. You got a point. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, they, they allowed up to 500 people, if I recall right, uh, to gather in a casino, but they limited church attendance to 50. <laughs> All right, oh, and and so so uh, a a uh, a church by the name of Calvary Chapel Dayton Valley brought a action against the Nevada governor and and uh, particularly with respect to this particular law, and uh, it's it's a very short opinion, one of the shortest opinions I've ever read by a judge, let alone a justice of the Supreme Court. But um, Justice uh, Gorsuch wrote the following. He said, "quote This is a simple case." Under the governor's edict, a 10-screen multiplex, that's a theater, right, may have 500 moviegoers at any time. A casino, too, may cater to hundreds at once, with perhaps six people huddled at each craps table here and a similar number gathered around every roulette wheel there. Large numbers and close quarters are fine in such places, that is, casinos. But churches, synagogues, and mosques are banned from admitting even more or more than 50 worshipers, no matter how large the building, how distant the individuals, how many wear face masks, no matter the precautions at all. In Nevada, it seems it is better to be in entertainment than religion. Maybe that is nothing new. But the First Amendment prohibits such obvious discrimination against the exercise of religion. The world we inhabit today, with a pandemic upon us, poses unusual challenges. And then this last line is worth remembering, maybe even repeating. But there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada 
to favor Caesar's Palace <laughs> over Calvary Chapel. Oh, my. Yeah. This is obvious discrimination yes. against religion. It is. <laughs> so why are you optimistic? Are you optimistic? Because I'm a little pessimistic with this ruling, thinking, well, there goes religious liberty. Well, you have to remember, uh, just a little lawyering, uh, th this has no precedential effect. By that I mean uh, no one can really cite this because this is actually an, appear, an emergency appeal on an injunction, seeking court action without getting briefs and hearing oral arguments and things such as that. So okay. the Supreme Court says you, you can't use this as precedent. But you can read the tea leaves in, yeah. in both cases, the uh, Elam Romanian Church case, as well as this particular case from Nevada, the Calvary Chapel case, both were 5-4 decisions. Both involved exactly the same uh, justices on the same side. And so miracles can work. So uh, how important is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg seat going to be in the next four years for the next president of the United States? There's no question. If you thought that the Brett Kavanaugh yeah. was uh, World War Three, this is going to be World War Four, Five, and Six. <laughs> All rolled up in one. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, how could this ruling out of Nevada and some of the state court rulings that have gone against churches be used against churches in a post-pandemic America? Uh, post-pandemic America, um, you always have to look at the precedents involved, okay? Because they can look at a case, the Elam Romanian case, if a case ever goes to the Supreme Court, and they hear the case on the merits rather than on an emergency appeal, and the Supreme Court maybe decides five to four against the religious liberties again, you now have a ruling on the books that can be used in subsequent cases, even when the pandemic is gone. Hmm. Yep. Right? And that's and the that's danger of it. That's and the that's danger. my fear, too. Yep. Right. Well, you were talking about muscular Christianity. Uh, John MacArthur, there's an example of muscular Christianity. Courage. He's opened his church refusing to adhere to the dictates from the governor. He publicly announced, we're not going to comply. Do we need more churches to be as bold as that? Yes. But what are the legal ramifications? What are the ramifications, exactly? Yeah. Well, you might go to jail. you got to be willing to do that. Yeah. Wow. How many times was the Apostle Paul in jail? That's right. All right, and Peter, I mean, these guys are in jail all the time. And, and we know it would be an unjust jailing, however... The state has that authority, and they're abusing that authority in forcing us to comply with unconstitutional diktats, right, or mandates. Am I wrong saying that? No, you, you are not wrong, but you, but you have to, and this can be organized well. You can, you can organize in such a way that a, a Jesus's life mattered event uh, could take place with hundreds if not thousands of Christians who are uh, worshiping God Churches are protected by liability from liability by having waivers that can be uh, drafted by lawyers and signed by participants. And participants can be warned that, uh, you know, by taking place uh, in such an event, uh, they might uh, catch the, uh, uh, how'd you call it, the Chinese Communist Party virus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then they could worship and then be a blessing to others afterwards. But if they're, if they're jailed, 
my concept would be to have a, a whole number of Christian attorneys prepared to give counsel and defense to each one of those Amen. that are jailed. That's right. Hopefully money could be raised to provide whatever bail is necessary with respect to that. That's right. And how unusual would it be for the government to purposely permit Black Lives Matter to come together and protest, but then jail Christians for asserting the First Amendment rights, the same rights that were granted to Black Lives Matter or other such uh, uh, protests. The hypocrisy would just be self-evident. So what if what if we rename our, our worship services or our masses and call them political rallies for Jesus? How about that? <laughs> yeah, there's an idea too. <laughs> Think I we mean, can get away with that? There is something, that's what we're talking about in terms of muscular Christianity. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the problem that... that that I think all of us as Christians have in Romans 13 says that we should be obedient to those in power above us. Yeah. And when you think of it, I mean, who was in power when the church was, was initially uh, being created? It was Nero, yeah. right, who yeah. persecuted Christians. But yet, if you look at that, you say, yeah, but the purpose of government in Romans 9 is to punish evil and help or promote the good. But if you have the government promoting evil and punishing the good, is that a legitimate function of government? Do you have to obey such a government which does exactly the opposite in terms of uh, uh, punishing the good but promoting evil? So if we're incarcerated because we are going to practice what we believe about worshiping Jesus Christ, maybe that's a good time to start a prison ministry. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is one way. I think it's uh, uh, very unlikely that these uh, Christians would spend a bunch of time in jail because undoubtedly they'd be been uh, be released. Uh, they'd be defended by uh, by Christian lawyers at their hearings. Uh, if they were convicted, it would be a, a very minor sentence, if at all. And again, look at the precedent in terms of, of current uh, protesters. How much time have they spent behind bars? <laughs> How much uh, have they paid for bail money? That's right. Uh, are the prosecutors even prosecuting those people? That's right. And if they chose to prosecute the Christians who are busy praising God and asserting their First Amendment rights, look again at the hypocrisy. Is that fair? Is there truly discrimination on behalf of the authorities in the state? We will continue our conversation with attorney Jim Davids with the Justice and Freedom Law Center after this. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? Well, at Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Lana's story in her own words. I love getting the monthly share that I give to each month that has a name of a real person and their real medical concerns and a prayer request you know, for them. That I get to interact with people from all over the country, just like me and get to pray for them and know that they're praying for me when I have a need. It's great, I love it. 
Lana is just one of over 200,000 members who are sharing over $23 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Well, thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with Dave Smith, Hello. the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. We are joined by Attorney Jim Davids with the Justice and Freedom Law Center. JFLC.us. JFLC.us. Mr. Davids, also a former president of the Christian Legal Society. Jim, why start the Justice and Freedom Law Center. What types of cases are you looking to uh, take on? I know that an organization like uh, IFI uh, that I was on the board in the 1990s with, and actually I was acting executive director for a little bit less than a year, I saw firsthand the effectiveness of this organization. Uh, During that time, I also became acquainted with David Smith, who was uh, a uh, rather young man at the time, That's and right. uh, before uh, a greenhorn, the bevy of his children started <laughs> developing, and, That's right. and also uh, Kathy Valente, who I've always admired, and one of my mentors. Yes, yep. I uh, so I, I knew the quality of people there, but more important, I knew that they were muscular Christians, and that they had the a real love for the people of Illinois. Uh, that they wanted families to flourish in Illinois, yes. uh, that they were constantly uh, in Springfield uh, advocating on behalf of, of families and in terms of pro-life issues, pro-religious liberty issues. So I know that over the past uh, 30 years, uh, an organization like IFI has, has built a, a great deal of credibility among Illinois families. Uh, I know that uh, people in Illinois have relied upon IFI, will continue relying on IFI, and because of that credibility, they would send legal issues or at least talk about legal issues uh, with people at IFI. Um, I thought it would be a good idea, uh, particularly since uh, this uh, state has turned uh, a deep blue, uh, that people have an outlet uh, to the courts. Hammer and sickle blue. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but um, I, I, I knew that there was, was uh, success often in terms of litigation when you are in a minority in a, in a state. Uh, you take a look at some of the very effective organizations that, are, for instance, are in California and uh, in other places. Um, and because uh, people need an outlet, they need hope, they need an opportunity to, um, to uh, have their rights uh, vindicated, I thought it'd be a good idea uh, for IFI uh, to uh, to have a, uh, a litigation arm, and uh, I expressed that uh, that vision over to David. David immediately loved the idea. Yes. And uh, well, and really I see what uh, I ha- I over the years uh, I've seen how effective the ACLU has been in taking uh, issues to court, and here in Illinois because it is the People's Republic of Illinois. And we have supermajority of liberals in Springfield. Um, you know, I am very thankful that our founders gave us a system of checks and balances. And, uh, you know, obviously what they've been doing in Springfield is way out of balance. And so it needs to be checked. 
And this is a wonderful opportunity for citizens of Illinois to check the, the runaway legislature with the court system. And um, I, I hope that we can do it f- frequent and often and come away with victory after victory, as we've seen in other places. Uh, Pennsylvania, Virginia is now doing it. Um, and you sit on the board of directors for the, the Virginia Family Foundation. Uh, and, you know, we have lots of opportunities, don't we, Jim? Yes, we do. As a matter of fact, uh, in direct answer to Lonnie's, uh, uh, Monty's uh, question. It's with an M. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Monty's question. Um, re- certainly religious liberty cases. It's not surprising that uh, a lot of uh, litigation regarding the uh, Governor Pritzker's uh, executive orders uh, pertain to uh, religious issues and, and compliance by the churches. Uh, so that uh, is right for that. There are plenty of instances when, where uh, people's uh, religious liberty are threatened by, by schools, uh, by local government, by the state government. That's right. Uh, so that is a, a prime reason for that. There are other things that, that could be family issues that arise. That's right. Uh, where litigation is also also necessary, particularly if it occurs to many families, because you see then a, a pattern that's de- developed uh, uh, by the state or, or by a locality. Uh, there are school issues that, that come up, uh, we, which we certainly would be uh, interested in, in developing. Parental rights. So you, you look at uh, the... Uh, the mission statement of, of IFI. And we identified particular areas of interest uh, because we knew that these are, are, are areas that are threatened often by government. And so uh, those areas are the areas that we're willing to explore and, and represent uh, people for free. Amen. You know, one of the cases that we worked on, and it wasn't a court case, it was simply an offer for legal assistance. Um, In Effingham, there was a mural um, on a government overpass that included a Christian cross. The Crossroad of America, anybody who's driven past Effingham on 5772, you know that there's a large cross there. It's called the Crossway Cross or something like that. <laughs> Forgive me, my Effingham friends. But that cross was challenged by the people for the American way, right? Or from the Re- Freedom from Religious Foundation, right. one of those two. And the city council there got nervous because they didn't want to go to court. They didn't want to have to defend this. And um, we sent them a letter saying, we'll defend you for free. You don't have to remove this mural with this beautiful cross. You don't have to do that. Unfortunately, they didn't take us up on the offer, and instead they chose to remove the cross, which is sad. And I hope they pay in the next municipal election for that. But we're here. We're willing to take it on, and we don't need to be bullied by people at the Freedom From Religious Foundation. Right, Jim? That is one of several uh, instances where the Freedom From Religion Foundation, uh, and that's just one of the one of the uh, our opponents, um, has threatened local government. Uh, for instance, one of the uh, bills that uh, is often pushed uh, is a bill for "In God We Trust," putting posting it. As a matter of fact, when I tried tried cases in Cook County, uh, literally inside each courtroom, there was there was raised from the wooden panels. The phrase, in God we trust. Now, maybe they've been taken down since then, but when I was here trying cases, that was specifically in every Cook County courtroom. Yeah. Now, however, you want to try and, and have a, a, a local uh, uh, government uh, uh, pass an ordinance that allows 
that phrase to go up in either the uh, municipal governmental building or some other place, it, it could be challenged. Matter of fact, it is challenged. And so, again, we could help out local government in terms of defending them. We've got, I work with constitutional lawyers all the time that'd be willing to serve the government for free for asserting that type of, of right. So that's another thing, not only defending people from the government, but for defending the government from people challenging any uh, evidence of, of Christianity in, in, a, in a public building. Speaking of schools, we have a new LGBT history law that uh, kids will uh, be exposed to officially uh, in classrooms, maybe this fall, maybe it'll be online, who knows, or both. And the thing about this is there's no opt-out for students or parents who object to this instruction. Which is obviously contrary to Orthodox Christianity. Yep. Do they have any legal rights to say, no, 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 you cannot force my kids to be exposed to this? I would love to see exactly what the curriculum is and how that curriculum is taught. Um, is there any anti-Christian bias presented? Now, David makes a good point. I mean, it's very clear in, in Leviticus and as well as other places that that the um, uh, homosexuality is a sin. All right, and and frankly, if if this uh, and this calls uh, a sinful behavior, uh, something that for decades was deemed to be a deviant behavior, but this calls for certainly a normalization of that behavior. Well, and, it's and actually there, it's declaring it good and praiseworthy. Right. And, and worthy of study, at least. And worthy of study, yeah, yes. good point. No, that's a good point. And so, therefore, um, uh, that could be challenged. But I, I would love to see further evidence from that. In other words, exactly what textbooks are, are, are being used, and what supplemental information yes. that there is. Um, uh, what experts are brought in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Guest speakers. I, yep. I say experts in quotes. Yes, air yeah. quotes, I see them. Yeah. How, how it is taught. Yeah. Those are, are things which would be very important in, in terms of presenting to a court. But I think, again, in terms of opting in or opting out uh, of a particular matter, there is um, one phrase that uh, we've seen a lot of, and that is defund the police. I am directly contrary to that, but I am directly in favor of defunding another arm of government, and that is defunding governmental schools. Because I think the, the, the most effective thing for Christian parents uh, would be to send their children to Christian schools. And I'm the proud parent of four children. And, and I think the last time I counted up, we had 56 years of Christian school tuition payments that, that we made for all of our children. And there, go, there goes the Cadillac. <laughs> well, it, that's fine. Exactly. That's exactly right. I'm sure that we, we gave up material possessions, but that's the best money I ever spent, ever. Yeah. Every Christian parent's consideration, and frankly should be either Christian school or else uh, Christian homeschooling, ought to be the way they go because I've just seen so many kids that are just indoctrinated in the government schools these days, and, and they're now acting out against their faith. That's why so many kids are, 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 are straying away from the faith because of this. So you're a big believer in education choice. Oh, huge. 
absolutely very important. If we can have so many choices about other things, this certainly ought to be one of them. And interestingly enough, uh, in terms of the constitutionality of it, if you have a voucher program, it's one of the things I studied and, and uh, I advised the, the government when I was in the Department of, uh, of Justice, develop voucher programs because they're constitutional, because it's then the parent's choice that's being made, not the government's choice as to where, where children should go. And you put the control in parents where it should be, because they have the right and responsibility to educate their children. You give them that, that choice and empower them to make the right decision for the children. Well, we need to ask you folks to make sure you're registered to vote. And if you've moved or maybe had a name change, you got married or something like that, update your voter registration. And we're encouraging churches to hold a voter registration drive in your church. It's legal. You can do that, right, Jim? Oh, yes. And it's patriotic, right, Jim? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. If oh, you, yes. If you're tired of what's <laughs> happening in Illinois, well, this is where you can start to make things happen to bring change that we hear about. Jim, thank you so much. Uh, tell us once again about uh, the Justice and Freedom Law Center. How can people connect with you folks? Uh, JFLC.us, that's our website. Uh, on the website, uh, there uh, is a, a blank uh, that if you have a complaint, something you want to question about, uh, com- if you have a complaint with a local government, or if you're a a local um, uh, organization, a, a politician in a, a place that needs support. You know, give us uh, give us a call. Send us a note on, on our website. Uh, we will uh, return the call and, and and try and help you again for free. No 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 lawyers fee involved with respect to our ministry. Uh, and um, the uh, telephone number uh, as well as contact information is on the website JFLC. US. All right. Thank you so much. Attorney Jim Davids, God bless you. And God bless you folks for uh, tuning in. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Tell a friend and your family and loved ones about Illinois Family Spotlight. Stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.